We are looking at Acts 14, 8 to 20. And so here we go into month seven of this pandemic. It's hard to believe. In some ways, it seemed like forever. Um, It's getting old, though, right? It's getting old. We're not living our normal lives. We're not seeing people face to face. We're not having church in person. So many other things, not having school in, in person. And I want you to know that our leaders are looking into the possibility of some sort of hybrid arrangement um, where you could come to the CBC building to watch and participate in the Zoom service together, like some people are doing at the Martins this morning, if you, if you caught that on Zoom. So <laughs> we're working on that. I, I saw the Dawsons there. Um, and we'll keep you posted as we make progress and figure out how to do that in a way that is safe and hopefully positive for those who participate. In the meantime, it's so important for our mental and our emotional health that we connect with others, that we're in relationship with others, whether that's online or by phone or even better when possible in person. And I've been encouraging you on and off through the summer to make a point to be connecting regularly with a few other people. Um, Scattered church, right? It's a thing. We, We talked about that one Sunday. Some of you are part of small groups, and that's a good way to connect. I want to offer you this morning another really simple, easy way to connect with a few other people that can be done in person or online. It could be done um, with just a few other people, people who already know Jesus, or also people who are just getting to know Jesus or starting to investigate him. This doesn't take a bunch of training or a high level of leadership skills. It's a variation on what's called the discovery Bible study method. And I thought I'd do something a little different with our sermon this morning and actually try to demonstrate how this works and lead you through it using our text for this morning, Acts 14, 8 to 20, as an example. And they say that the the discovery Bible study method is as easy as ABC. And so the A stands for asking God. In other words, beginning in prayer. Ask God to speak through his word as you study it. Ask God for the needs that you have. Ask God for others to know Jesus. Thank God for what he's done. Mindy did a wonderful job of of asking God already this morning. So we'll move right on to B, which is for Bible. So we get right into the Bible after we've prayed. We read a passage from the Bible Ideally, we read it a couple times. We let it soak in. In fact, let me do that right now. Let me just reread today's text. It's good to read it more than once because we don't catch everything the first time. I'm reading from the NIV translation, Acts 14, 8 to 20. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. 
The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food, and fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Lystra. Okay, so Bible. We've we've read the Bible passage. In a little while, we're going to discuss it. But sometimes as a leader, it's a good idea to do a little advanced study yourself so you can get people started on the right track. This is optional. It's not necessary. But, but you might be able, if you do a little study ahead of time, to point out a few helpful insights or some background information that will help people get more out of the passage and better understand it. The idea here is not to show off, not to have to be the expert um, or to say everything that needs to be said or could be said about the passage. It's just to help others get more out of the passage. Of course, we're in a worship service and I'm a preacher. I love Bible study. So I'm going to give you more right now than what you would need to give other people. I'm going to give you some background uh, by telling the, the story of this scripture again, a, th- a third time now, we'll have heard it, and I'll add some insights as we go. Maybe this will take 10 minutes or so. Again, you could not do this at all. You could just do it in a minute or two. So Paul and Barnabas have uh, arrived in the small city of Lystra, and they're on the run from some people back in other cities, Iconium, and before that, Pisidian Antioch who were trying to stone them to death. We saw this last week in verses 1 to 7 that Greg looked at with us. Lystra happened to be the next city on the main Roman road, about 20 miles on from Iconium in the direction they're traveling, which is east. And and I looked up a little bit about Lystra. It was an agricultural region. It was a farming town, maybe comparable to a small Midwestern city today. Interestingly, there's no mention of a Jewish synagogue in in the passage that we read. And this is different from most of the other of Paul's stops at various cities that we've read about, where Paul always went to the Jewish synagogue first. That's where he began. In fact, this time, um, or, or rather, this is the first time that we learn a bit about Paul preaching in the open air in public. Maybe he's in the marketplace or by the city gates or on a plaza near a pagan temple. Maybe he's near the public baths that the city would have, wherever people would gather. And it wasn't crazy or culturally inappropriate in that culture to preach in public. Lots of people actually did it. 
philosophers did it, educators did it. It was a thing. There was no TV or internet back then. So for entertainment, people would stand around on their way home from market or whatever, and they would listen to orators of various types giving speeches. That's why rhetoric was so big back then. If Aristotle had a famous book on rhetoric, as did many others. It was totally culturally appropriate what Paul is doing here. And, and this is the first time that we know of that Paul gives it a whirl. And, and so, um, you know, he's trying to see if he can draw a crowd, if, if he can help these pagan, Gentile, non-Jews to understand why Jesus is so important and, and that they should get to know him. Now, normally we've seen Paul begin in the synagogue where Paul could assume a lot of common ground. We looked at that a couple weeks ago, his synagogue sermon in Pisidian Antioch. Paul could appeal to the Old Testament scriptures, to the stories of Abraham and Moses and David and the Psalms and the prophecies, and he could go from there. He could build on that, but not here on the, the streets of Lystra. Here, Paul can't assume anything. He's among people who don't know the Bible, who believe in many gods, like, as we'll see, the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes. And so Paul's got his work cut out for him. Also, I discovered something really helpful to understand this, this story. It's a backstory uh, that relates to our passage today. And that is that there was a local legend in the region around Lystra that Zeus and Hermes had once before visited that area in disguise. Zeus, of course, was the chief of the Greek gods, and Hermes was a, a younger spokesman and messenger. And the legend said that they had once come in disguise to that very region as two weary travelers. And would you believe it? Nobody had been willing to offer them hospitality for the night which was a big deal back then. There were few hotels. Well, then finally, one poor elderly couple finally took them in for the night, but nobody else would. And so Zeus and Hermes afterwards were enraged and they sent a huge flood that destroyed that whole region, except for that one hospitable couple. Well, knowing that story, as these folks from Lystra most likely did, you can be sure that they were not going to make that mistake again. And so when Paul does something utterly surprising, he heals a crippled man dramatically and miraculously. The people say, the gods have come again in disguise. It's Zeus and Hermes. And they try to offer sacrifices to them to welcome them well and royally. Well, in response to this, Paul and Barnabas tear their clothes in, in distress and they tried to get the people to stop. But there's a language barrier here. The local people are speaking the dialect that they speak in, in that region. And Paul and Barnabas don't understand it. Paul and Barnabas have to speak in Greek, which is the, the main trade language that everyone knows, at least at some basic level. And I don't know if Paul and Barnabas have an interpreter, but the communication is not flowing well here. And Paul and Barnabas barely get the people to stop sacrificing to them, which is ironic because Paul, as a Jew, is trying to get the people to realize there's only one God, and it's not Zeus or Hermes. And so Paul describes this God to the people. God is so great that he made the whole world, heavens, earth, seas. He is so good that he's blessed all peoples with 
rain and crops and plenty of food and blessings that bring joy. Paul says, God overlooked people's ignorance about him for a long time, and he blessed people anyway. But Paul adds in in words which would not be considered politically correct today, that these pagan sacrifices to false Greek gods, these are worthless things, and it's time to turn from them. And to get to know the true God, the living God, and Jesus, the King, the Savior that God has sent. Well, I wonder if the people were offended to be told that Zeus and Hermes were worthless things. The gods they believed had once destroyed their region for not being sufficiently recognized and welcomed. And now this guy is saying these gods are worthless. This could be a very tough sell for these people. Well, then Paul and Barnabas' enemies catch up with them from back down the road, and they still want to stone them. And so these opponents win over the crowd in Lystra. Crowds can be very fickle. And they stone Paul and they drag him out of the city, leaving him for dead. Evidently, though, some people had believed Paul's message. Actually, we don't know how long Paul and Barnabas had been preaching in Lystra before this all happened. Evidently, they were there long enough that there's a group of disciples, followers of Jesus, who have formed and now they gather around Paul, who's, who's lying there bloodied and bruised outside the city. And he's not dead. He, he gets up and he goes back into the city. And then the next day they leave, Paul and Barnabas leave for another location. All right, there's a lot more that I could say, but I want to stop there. That's a lot of background. Um, again, more than you would need to give if, if you were leading a small group like this. Um, But what I did just now was I told the story again in my own words, looking back to the previous chapter to add a few details, and then filling in some facts that I found in the commentary. Again, this is optional with this kind of Bible study. Sometimes it's helpful if you're able to do it. But the next thing that you want to do under Bible, so you've read the passage, you've possibly introduced it with a few insights or words, you've retold it in your own words, The next thing to do is to study it together by simply asking the group three questions about the passage and then giving people a chance to uh, discuss it and think about it. Normally you do this one at a time like any other Bible study. I'll give you all three up front and then we'll go through them one at a time. So um, by the way, I'm going to invite you for a couple of these questions to go into breakout rooms for a few minutes and actually discuss these together so you can get ready for that. And then in between, we'll come back and and we'll share some of what what you discussed. So we're going to engage with this. We're going to do this together. Here are the three questions. They're very simple. First, what does this story tell us about God? What does this story tell us about God? Then second, what does this story tell us about ourselves? Ourselves as individuals, ourselves as humanity as a whole. What does it tell us about ourselves? And then third, what is this story saying to you personally? So very simple. So first question, and again, we're going to give you an invitation now to a breakout room to discuss this with a few people. What does this story tell us about God? As always, if you'd really rather not participate in the breakout groups, you can decline the invitation and just stay in the the main room until the others get back. But go ahead. What does this story tell us about God? Take a few minutes and discuss it.
All right, welcome back, everybody. I would love to hear um, what a few of your groups discussed. If some of you want to unmute yourself and just share something briefly that you discussed that this story tells us about God. I don't know. We talked about God's plan and the fact that um, it showed God working piece by piece through his um, through his plan of healing, healing physically, healing spiritually and emotionally. And thinking about the fact that after Paul and Barnabas had been left for dead, God's plan brought them back into the city, not running away, but back into the city. And the question of what happened from the time they got back into the city till the time they left the next day in terms of what encouragement they could have given to new believers, how many new people may have come to see God's movement through there, and just wishing that last sentence had been expanded into about three or four chapters at least. Yeah, great. What else? How about other groups? Well, one... We talked... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you, you. We talked about the contrast in verse 15, uh, turn from useless things to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and the things that are in them. So the one true God versus the false gods that were so prominent in the culture at that time. Yeah, great. Craig? Uh, one thing we mentioned was... Uh, it's interesting how in the short term uh, the opponents of God can do lots and lots of damage. Like, you know, they were able to stop Paul and Barnabas and, to, uh, and take them and drag them out and stone them. But in the longer term, God's plan would still be done and they, God was not ready for them to die. So they didn't die. And, you know, everything kind of went on as God had intended it to, even though in the short term they were able to do, you know, what seemed to be a lot of damage. Yeah. Good insight. Anyone else? We talked about, sorry. We talked about God not always protecting us from pain and suffering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In our group, we talked about um, how God has always revealed himself to us and provided for us, whether we see him or not in his creation and in his revelation. Um, in the verse today, we hear about that and we hear about it in other parts of the Bible. And, and um, I'm sorry, I forget the, the name of the woman who was in our group uh, made the point that uh, the common saying is uh, seeing is believing, but that that's better flipped around that you believe. And then you, you, you see, you look all around you and you see God's creation and how things how he made things perfectly to, uh, to, to grow with time and to provide for us. So um, I guess our take-home message was believing is seeing. Huh. Great. Peter, I think you were going to say something. I was in that group. <laughs> Jeff summarized it so well. Nice. All right. Well, I'm sure there's other things. 
that could be shared as well. Um, but I want to keep us moving now to the second question. Uh, we're going to send you back into groups. I think there's probably a good chance they might be different groups, though I don't know how Zoom will handle that. But um, just do the same thing. Take a few minutes and discuss the question. What does this story tell us about ourselves as humanity and uh, as people? So go ahead and discuss that now. All right. Well, thanks for um, going along with this experiment, everyone. You can give me some feedback if you want. Send me an email if you liked it, if you didn't like it. Um, but, you know, in these unprecedented times, as everyone keeps saying, one of the things we have to do is experiment and see what works. So I, I thought we would try this. So we've done A, Ask God. We've done B, Bible. We've read it, shared a little bit about it, discussed it. Um, and then C is commit. And what commit means is that we commit to responding to what God, God's word said to us. Um, you've heard me say many times that we always need to be asking, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And, uh, commit is the doing about it part. So, um, you know, it's going away and living differently as a result. If, if there is, you know, as, something practical that we can do to respond. Um, and we're more likely to follow through on our response if we tell someone about it. So um, here in the Discovery Bible Method, what we do is we ask, who can you tell what you learned today and what you're going to do in response? So um, this is both a gentle form of accountability and it's a chance to share about our faith with somebody else, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a family member. They could already be a Christian. Maybe they're not a Christian. But this last part involves just a simple commitment to um, tell someone what we learned in the study and what we plan to do about it. Um, so, you know, if you were if you were leading the study, you know, I might say, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell my wife what I learned in the study and what I'm going to do about it. Or I'm going to tell my friend at work. Or, so everyone just kind of shares, you know, this is who I'm going to tell. Um, and that that gives us some, you know, some sticking power to uh, that. It's not just an intellectual study, but that it actually does shape our life. So. Um, as I close in prayer now, I want to invite you to think, what is it that God is speaking to you about this morning? And how will you respond? What are you going to do about it? And will you commit to that response? And, and is there someone you can tell? Um, you know, this is what we learned in church this morning. And this is what I'm going to do as a result. So let's pray. God, we believe you are the living God. We believe your word is living because you breathed into the, the stories that were told and then written down in the Bible and that you still speak to us today through them. Yet we've just talked about so many ways that we can be stuck. We don't want to change. Um, we're, we're quick to react um, we're slow to let go of what we're holding on to right now in order to receive you more fully. And so we pray for your grace that we would hear your word and um, that we would be changed as a result. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Okay, so just to recap before we sing our closing song. Um, so we did an adaptation of the Discovery Bible Study Method today. The ABC stood for A, ask God, pray, and give thanks to God. B, Bible, read it, uh, preferably a few times. Possibly give a brief intro or retelling of it as a leader if you're so inclined. And then discuss it just with three simple questions. What is God saying to me? Or sorry, what does this passage tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about ourselves, humanity? And then what is it saying to me personally? So that's Bible. And then C is commit. Commit to responding, to tell someone what we learned and what we're going to do about it. You could do this with one or two other people. You could do it with a dozen people. It works with people of all stages of faith, from just investigating who Jesus is to already being mature in their faith. And this would be one good way to connect with a few other people in the coming months as we continue to be scattered. Um, If you'd like a handout which summarizes how to do this Bible study method, you already have it if you get the Friday email. There's a link in there to it. Um, If you don't get those emails, again, you can ask for the handout or to be put on the email list or both at info at communitybiblechurch.org. If you'd be interested in a little more training or like a one-on-one demo of how to do this study, I'd be happy to do that for you as well if you feel like you need a little more, but you're interested.